In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, Nadia Boltz Weber, just in case you don't know her, she is the tattooed ex-stand-up comedian that is turned Lutheran pastor. She is a blog that I frequently look at because she allows folks to just ask questions and share opinions. There's like no big agenda to it. Um, and so it's free form. There's a lot of opinions that come out and you get to just react to them. And yesterday I was looking and someone started listing all the ways that she was fatigued. And I found myself adding to her list. I was like, yes, that's one of the words that I need right now. Um, compassion fatigue, self-compassion fatigue, school fatigue, kid fatigue, social media fatigue, work fatigue, streaming fatigue, anger fatigue, vacuuming fatigue, feeding the dog or cat fatigue, wanting to care about anything fatigue, just fatigue of fatigue. I also noticed that ice cream, chocolate, and wine were not on that list, so we're not fatigued of that yet. But what is it that we are collectively feeling? What is this feeling? It's like a new feeling that we haven't given a word to. It's kind of trauma, kind of fatigue. It's exhausted, but is it fatigue like exhausted or tired, or is it fatigue like a bridge whose metal is weak from just repeated stress? repeated traffic, being full. It feels like a kind of homesickness for a place that we used to live, boringly normal but missed like an old, old dear friend. We're just not feeling it, whatever it is. Knowable, unknowable, unnameable, unbidden, untamable. This feeling is lurking under the surface of every waking and sleeping moment. We know in our souls that we have no real means to set the world right because it's out of our control and our understanding. You know, people in the congregation have told me, you know, things aren't that bad. They're just not good. I want more than what I'm living right now, but I feel ungrateful just thinking that. There's a lot of pressure to feel content with what I have in this present moment. A lot of pressure to be grateful, which just makes me feel guilty because I cannot drum up that gratitude right now. You know, in our Bible study this fall, we are studying Anglican priest Tish Harrison Warren's book, Prayer in the Night. She writes about how we all feel small and mortal and very, very vulnerable. She says, we can speak of vulnerability as something we choose, something that we reveal about ourselves, you know, some vulnerability that we're exposing to others. But this isn't really the kind of vulnerability I mean. Instead, I mean the unchosen vulnerability that we all carry, whether we admit it or not. The term vulnerable comes from a Latin word meaning to wound. We are woundable. We can be hurt and destroyed in body, mind, and soul. All of us, every last man, woman, and child, bear this kind of vulnerability till our dying day. You know, as Christians, what do we do at times like these? What have Christians done throughout history? 
during the Dark Ages, the plague, world wars, the pandemic, 2001. Well, they've prayed. So the reading in James today asks, are any among you suffering? They should pray. Well, are you suffering? Do you know anyone that is suffering? You know, this week, the number of Americans who have died from COVID-19 passed the number who died in the 1918 pandemic. We are all suffering. And when there is suffering, the question of God's goodness comes up. It's called theodicy, questioning how a benevolent, all-knowing, omnipotent God could, could allow suffering. Why this evil? Why this heartbreak? Where are you, God? Harrison Warren calls it the wrestling match between the reality of our own vulnerability and the hope for a God that can be trusted. The Polish Nobel laureate Wisława Szymborska, who has been called the Mozart of poetry, famously penned, I prefer not to ask how much longer and when. I prefer keeping in mind even the possibility that existence has its own reason for being. Timothy Keller tells us, just because we don't see a reason for evil and suffering doesn't mean there's not a reason for it. Neither of these authors, who have suffered their own tragedies, is telling us to not burden others with our pain or to just be happy. Christians do not ignore the darkness because it would diminish the light. They don't ignore the suffering because it would diminish the resurrection. Christians testify to the existence of both suffering and the mystery. We believe in the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. Robert Capon reminded us that Jesus came to raise the dead. He did not come to teach the teachable. He did not come to improve the improvable. He did not come to reform the reformable. None of those things work. So we have come to one of those places where we have lost the energy to try to understand, where we are dead with fatigue, where we have used up plan A to Z. Our deadness is necessary to our belief that only God can raise us and make us live again, to give us life. And thus the second part of Jesus' statement in the reading, are any among you suffering, they should pray. Yes, we should pray, if we could pray. As many of you know, I grew up Catholic, and there were prayers that I memorized, like the blessing for dinner and the prayers for school, but they didn't mean much for me. I found the ritual to be stifling and boring. Besides the occasional bargain prayer as I grew up and moved into adulthood, like, if you help me, God, I'll do anything. We all know those prayers. I didn't have much of a prayer life. And when I joined a church in my late 20s, I was very intimidated when people would pray out loud because they seemed to be praying to impress or manipulate people instead of talking to God. And when my husband and I separated, I was thrown into a panicked single motherhood for three years. 
I reverted to the prayers that I could say by heart because I just didn't have the energy to make up prayers. The ritual repetition of saying a prayer became comforting. You know, I found out that that word ritual is at the heart of the word spirituality. When we come into the sanctuary for worship and hear the prayers and the scriptures read, our heart rate goes down. We calm and settle into the familiar rhythm and words. We are part of something bigger than ourselves, and our bodies and souls reaffirm this. Reverend Harrison Warren reminds us that we are the recipients of the gifts of prayer through this tradition. She says, I needed words to contain my sadness and fear. I needed comfort, but I needed the sort of comfort that doesn't pretend that things are shiny or safe or right with the world. I needed a comfort that looked unflinchingly at loss and death. When we pray the prayers we've been given by the church, the prayers of the psalmists and the saints, the Lord's Prayer, the daily office, we pray beyond what we can know, believe, or drum up in ourselves. You know, these are the words that we whisper in the dark when a child is sick in the hospital sitting vigil with a loved one or friend, when we're alone and afraid. These are the words that stand sentinel on the bridge of compassion that carry us through and remind us that Jesus is the light in the darkness. So currently our adult ed is also doing a deep dive into the Apostles' Creed because it is what we confess together it is the we-ness of us believing together. You are not alone. God's love for us is incarnated into human vulnerability in Jesus Christ. God's answer to suffering is to enter into it with us. You know, in the Anglican Communion, we have prayers that form us and our faith through the Book of Common Prayer also. You need never be without the power of prayer in your hour of need and fatigue. You know, when we go on mission trips, we usually end the day with Compline because it is a beautiful expression of our trust in the power of Christ over our living and dying. Listen to the words and find yourself and your loved ones in this expression of love and care in our suffering by Christ. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Guide us waking, O Lord, and guard us sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Amen. Mm -hmm.